Steve. Hey, Chris. So this episode was supposed to be recorded last week. Unfortunately... You had the plague. I had the plague, and we also had storms and tornado threats. So... Mm. Which we don't usually Tornadoes. get. We don't usually get in New Jersey. Normally, people go freak out about the weather, and it's like, "Come on, guys, what are you going to do with that much milk and bread?" But tornado warning. I'm like, I'm staying inside. Um, did probably still ended up with more milk and bread than people needed. But, but okay. if you are, however, over to this podcast for my latest appearance on the Magic Hour show, then um, sorry, the episode's a week late. But if you did not get to hear me on the Magic Hour show, you can go Google the Magic Hour show podcast and find me. I don't remember. Is it gamerparent.net? I think it is. Something like that. Yeah, gamerparent.net, Magic Hour. I've been on there a few times. Steve was on there once. So good podcast, friends of the show. Um, I'm going to see Ryan again at too many games, hopefully. So uh, very nice. It's a good. It's a good. Very nice. Very cool. Very cool. It's a very good podcast. And in that episode, especially, we did get into some like mental headspace talk that I think is just good to get into once in a while, and not the kind of vulnerable like stuff. Because you and me, when we sit here, we gotta pretend we're men. So we are men <laughs> in tights. Tights, tights. All right. Um. I was, I was literally roaming around the forest looking for fights people. <laughs> There's not many people to fight in the, like... In the su- suburbs the, of New like, Jersey. like, 100-foot strip of forest yeah. behind my, <laughs> my house here, so... Um, but... But... Um, Speaking of fights and being men and other stuff... Do we want to get right into Umbrella Academy? I, I don't know. Do we want to get right into it, or do you want to talk about something else? I kind of want to talk about E3 stuff, but there's not enough right now. There's not enough. We got we got E3 is going to have to wait. Yes, no got, E3 predictions. I've got no a lot of thoughts. Uh, as a as a Destiny player, I got a lot to chew on in the last week because I got a, a, the season pass drop, the new season content drop, and we the, don't have to listen to them talk about it. I'm and going the, to spare you guys. And the whole bunch of stuff for the future and. You know, Bungie being independent, being independent, going free to play. I'm raising my does, glass. Does people remember? Like they've gone free to play, and it's like, wait a minute, wasn't there a Chinese company that specializes in free to play and other uh, nasty <laughs> tactics? That now well, they're not really. This could be another kind of downfall. We it's not know. really free to play. Well, you get you pay for the expansion. It's only the first year content is free to play. And then anything else you still got to pay for. So right. I guess you would still have to pay for Forsaken. Yes, Forsaken you still have to pay for. Season content you have to pay for. Annual pass you have to pay for. Um, and of but that's course, still, I mean, if you're gonna think about, it, if you're gonna have a live game and have it be alive for years, basically, doing that, nobody is buying, you know, Destiny Two vanilla right now. Nah, no, they're not. I mean, there obviously are probably some people buying, it, but not. But in terms of the the benefit of having that free to play, the benefit of being able to, to have sold that for sixty dollars two years ago, and then turn around and give it away for free to hook new customers now. What hussies? Um, so anyway, yeah, we've got we've got lots to talk about. There's so much E3 stuff, Pokemon Sword and Shield. Google Stadia is a piece of trash. Everybody <laughs> knew it was going to be trash. Like if anybody there was, was one guy follow me, one guy I know on Twitter 
was like, I pre-ordered Google Stadia, and I'm like, you are the only person, man. It's like, I'm tired of buying consoles. It's like, get a good PC, man. Don't just don't waste it on Google Stadia. They're asking for $129 for a controller that doesn't look good enough for the Mad Cats logo, the Chromecast, and then like three months of you don't even get every game, you get select games to stream and so I'm I'm streaming on YouTube to my television through the official Stadia YouTube page. So it's Google's video platform. And they're directly from their account, so it's not like a mirror of a mirror of a mirror. Right, right. And constantly this stream is going to like 240p resolution on me. Then it's like, oh, 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 it's clear image again. No, it's 240p again. And then it's like, it kept going like that back and forth as they're trying to talk about yeah. streaming gameplay. And it's like, I can't even get video to stream right. It's like, on it Google's technology. It's... Yeah, I played a bit with... with not Play- yet, man. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. I played a bit with PlayStation Now. And... I played some random stuff that I streamed, and I noticed some games were fine, but anything, and this was like, a lot of, like, a lot of games did feel fine, and again, this is on, you know, some higher-end hardware than, than Stadia, and they've been doing this for a while, and, but, games like Sonic the Hedgehog and other things where it required super precise timing and inputs, basically... We're on play. Even you know, uh, you know, I got a hard line in. I got a like business class. So you're connection. not even wireless. It's Ethernet. Yeah. Which that's the thing. Like I, I, I couldn't tell on the picture. Is Chromecast wireless or is it wired? Like, do you have to be wired? Because I feel like if a Chromecast looks into your TV, it's primarily designed to be wireless. It's probably intended to be wireless. Yeah. Which means my wireless device was still presenting like an accurate depiction of. So I don't it, have high hopes. Anyway, so we, we don't want to talk too much about E3. Now. No, we maybe, don't. We don't maybe don't. next week we can. We can next double week, definitely. Up and, we will definitely do next week. Talk, talk about E3 because I have off from work. I have my annual ritual of just I'm going to sit on the t- couch and watch E3 all week, uh, mostly Nintendo streams. But today, you recommended that I watch a Netflix original called Umbrella Academy. I did. And after I watched the show, I did do a Google search for some information online. And that's where I saw the trade paperback cover that was like, oh, this is that comic by that guy from that band. Gerard Way. See, originally I thought it was the Coheed and Cambria comic. And it's no, not that's that. Claudio Sanchez. That it is the evidently My Chemical Romance guy. Yeah, the My Chemical Romance guy. So you, so did you listen to any of those songs I sent you? I don't think I did. <laughs> I, so My Chemical Romances, I think if you have never listened to them, I think they're a band that gets kind of a bad rap. Um, I mean, they look like they're asking for it. <laughs> they do. But they're... I almost feel like they're... They're a little bit like Kiss. Where... No. I, like, no, I, like I, I, I kind of get what you mean. I like Kiss in mean. the 70s, where... The makeup and the act, it was all a send-up of the industry to some degree, initially. And then it just sort of became like they had to do it. And I feel like, like this is a song Teenagers. And also, like they that. don't sound nearly as hardcore as they look. Right. Um, Which is a- accurate for My Chemical Romance. My, my Chemical Romance, yeah. But anyway, I, 
they at least wrote their own music, the band did, I, I believe, right? Did they write their own music? Yeah. Okay. Because Kiss, oh, you know, they wrote their own music too. They were just yeah. bad at it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so it's probably, anyway, um, I haven't read the source material. I was not, I bought all of the, um, you know, the paper, the, the hardbacks actually for the Coheed and Cambria, um, the, the Armory Wars, and I just really was disappointed, and I feel like there was so much in the songs that was cool, and the books, like, ruined them, ruined the songs to some degree for me, and I honestly, like, I, I, I've been, became less of a Coheed and Cambria fan after reading their full story behind the songs. Uh, now, I haven't actually read the Umbrella Academy books, and the show ha- and the books in the show have nothing to do with My Chemical Romance's music. They don't. In fact, the show's got a really good selection of a lot of good classic rock. Yeah, it has a great sound. But the show was... I, it was... It was kind of exactly what I needed, uh, sort of stylistically uh, at the time. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, Chris has, to this point, avoided providing any actual, like, a subjective opinion on it so far. <laughs> He's made a couple comments about about aspects there of There was it. a period I was texting you a whole bunch no, about you were, some predictions. You were, you were making predictions and other things. And I was you, well, you haven't provided, you've made objective, you've made observations and other things, but you haven't provided me your subjective opinion on, did you like it? Did you think it was a good show? Did you, I mean, clearly you kind of, must have kind of enjoyed it because you pretty much binged it, right? I mean, the funny thing is, I guess, because I binged it and I was certainly entertained, but I also think it says a lot that I'm sitting here tonight and I was like, as, as I was sitting here playing Mario Kart with your kids and thinking about what we were podcasting tonight, I was like, wait a minute, what even happened in that show? Oh God, what am I going to talk about tonight? <laughs> That's kind of like the, sh- it's, it's kind of the, and part of, part of that is the binge factor. The biggest issue with the binge factor, and it's a shame because Netflix has embraced that culture like the whole Mm -hmm. netflix and chill like and what's the next binge you have when you finish a show and it's like i mean i remember i enjoyed the show but i gotta really think and it's like wait a minute what happened again so so for me binge culture i was somewhat limited we were watching one episode a night and we missed a couple nights too and it was like yeah and and so i think i got to chew on it a little bit more probably did um, so one of the cool things I noticed is this was a, you know, from a strictly f- filmmaking perspective. I don't know if you caught on to this. I may have mentioned this to you before the show. Um, as you shifted from perspective characters, you, there was a, a kind of a, a shift and there was some light homage to other, to various filmmakers in there. Um, you did mention that at one point. I um, didn't actually think about it while I was watching the show. A lot of the the stuff happening at the actual Umbrella Academy, to me, had a very Wes Anderson vibe. It was this sort of the just in terms of the way they were framing shots, the setting, the the set dressing, and everything else. There's a lot of symmetry 
Um, there was a lot of, you know, people walking while classic sort of mid-tempo rock plays and, uh, and all of that. And maybe part of my issue is the Wes Anderson films I'm familiar with. Because I feel like he likes to, and it's one of the reasons he does so well with the, the stop motion animation, is he has a very interesting way of framing things, and especially in a perspective that looks two dimensional. Like if just watching right. the trailer for, and I'm pretty sure I got the right director, Grand Budapest Hotel. Right? Yes, I still need to see the movie, but just watching the trailer, a lot of the shots and compositions of those shots feel like they're a two dimensional photo or image. Yes. And so it's funny because he carries that style. Then I watch Isle of Dogs, which evidently a lot of people yet. don't like that. I haven't seen that yet. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Um, but, like, that because it's a stop motion claymation film, like, it's got some of these shot compositions, but it's like it's so familiar and similar to a regular live action film. Uh, so for me, like I'm thinking of that as a Wes Anderson okay. style, but I'm also thinking of very specific films because I am limited. And so, have, I, you, have you ever seen Rushmore? I have not. Okay, so I'm thinking of Jason Schwartzman's character in that. That um, what's his name? The time traveling one, teleporter. You just ask me if I. Oh, the character in uh, in um, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, the young kid. Uh, like, oh, oh, five. Five. Yeah, five. I was gonna say five, and then I was like, five. Yeah, he didn't get a so, name yet. Yeah. Um, so I felt like he was very much the was Jason Schwartzman in in Rushmore um, to some degree, except for he was sort of the opposite, where where he has this the character in the movie. It's been a while since I've watched it, but he has this sort of he's a He's this schoolboy, and he's always in the uniform and stuff. He's a, a the older, five is older. not Jason Schwartzman. Five is not Jason Schwartzman. Yes, in Rushmore, and he's this Wait, sort he's of schoolboy. Yeah, he's a he's a teenager, like and not like a schoolboy, schoolboy. But he's always wearing. I the might uniform. have the wrong actor. I have no idea. Okay, keep going. Anyway, I don't matter. And he's sort of acting part of the whole struggle in the movie is he wants to be an adult and he wants to impress his teacher and all of this other stuff he wants he, he wants to be romantically interested in his teacher and his the headmaster whatever it is Bill Murray plays like the headmaster of the school or something like that who's also interested in the teacher anyway but so you've got this character who's there's a lot of similarities in the aesthetic of it as well as in the personality of being the five looks younger than, than Schwartzman looked in, in Rushmore, but that he's a he looks like a kid, but, but he's actually he's, got this maturity be well you know, beyond his years. Right, and and so I felt I, I felt like a lot of his stuff that there was there was definitely some a little bit of that vibe that was getting pulled in. I think of the one of the, the first shot that made me think of Wes Anderson is the the strollers in the beginning. I forget what song is playing. The very one of the early, very early shots. It's the strollers with, with all of the the kids from the school coming in. So anyway, and then this one's pretty obvious. Is the assassins um, feel a lot like Tarantino homage? I can kind of see that. There's something about the the, the masks they wear. 
that gives you at least, if not Or maybe Tarantino, some Roger and Robert Rodriguez or... Well, it's, it's some kind of an indie filmmaker that does something that's going to be kooky. Right. It's not just straight up. Like it, it's, it's this weird sort of... I, it's this idea of something that's not intimidating, but a given the context, kind of is. It sort of makes it... Right, you take their, their assassins who wear cartoon character masks, and the... First it sounds ludicrous, but then when they are, you know, relentlessly pursuing their target, all of a sudden it goes from... Silly, silly and ludicrous to being scary, even more scary than just an assassin. It develops an iconic look to it. Right. It's one of the reasons that I think some of the thumb, like every once in a while, the promotional thumbnail for Umbrella Academy is the, those two with the mask on. And I think that's actually. Now, what I told you as well is when you first said Umbrella Academy, I actually had it confused. So I was confused a bit watching through the first episode. Because I thought you were talking about. Deadly class on sci-fi, but I thought it was just a show. I didn't realize it was a Netflix original you were telling me about, so I was confused. And I'm watching Umbrella Academy, like, okay, this is not the show that I thought he was talking about. Um, <laughs> Deadly class is just some weird, like, you're in a school, but where all the kids are assassins in uh, on sci-fi. I think it's based on a comic. If it's not, oh, it's yeah. like, it's like, what if Harry Potter were a murderer? Like, that's Ooh, I gotta watch that. No, you don't. <laughs> um, but that, that, so there was a little bit of confusion for the first episode about halfway through before I realized, okay, this is clearly not the same show. Um, but uh, it's funny because the first thing that comes to my mind actually to discuss is, and I don't want to get too much into it, but I did realize just about every romance in this show was in some way atypical. And mm -hmm. the closest one to being typical turned out to be atypical um you yes. don't have straight up like you know man and woman of same age in romantic relationship without some kind of a wrench thrown in so i think that's actually an interesting element of the show um <laughs> and, uh, enough so that it's like i mean it's actually there's there's quite a bit of romance in this show it's just all kind of weird well, like you're, uh, uh, if you say weird in one case, then you're kind of, uh, you're kind of, uh, I mean, it is Pride Month after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think yeah, so, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, I guess mannequins, like, I, I, that is that a thing now? Um, maybe add that to. I don't know. Let's let's add it to the different uh, the different people who are mannequins. But no, I mean, like, there, there's there's one there's one younger Wait. man that's in love with a woman that I believe is past retiree age. Um, or at least up there in years. Like, she looks like she's my grandma's age, just about. Oh, yeah. So there's that, that development. There's a big age, never... there's a big age gap one. Yeah, there's, and you never there's... see that dynamic. You never see, like, the younger man with in the love older. with the older woman. Um, so there You do have, yes, the, 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 the guy in love with a mannequin in order to keep his sanity. Uh, you have the, the guy who travels back in time to meet them. Spoilers! Oh, All you have to say is the, the, the man-on-man relationship. But it's, a, it's not, that's not what makes it interesting. It makes it interesting is the time travel aspect. But again, this is where I'm talking about just being atypical. Well, that's, a, that's the atypical thing is... 
okay. Anyway, yeah, anyway, that's... I mean, Before I, we start digging a hole. Before we digging a hole, um, but that's, I mean, in terms of... Right. Um, is... It, it, no matter how you want to frame it, it's... It, it's sort of whatever it is, it's even if it's not seems, what you expect out of Hollywood. Right, like even take the older, the, the age gap relationship. If you if you took that and made her twenty years younger, it's more it's, of what you'd expect. It's just a typical. It's fairly. And if typical. it was a, even if it was like you reversed the ages, it would be like. If it was a slightly expect. older man with a yeah, right, and that you, would, you would be. You would have expected that more, and so. Um, I think that's an interesting little thing, and that's part of what uh, gives the show its sort of interesting flair. Because it's it, it's if this show is about anything, it's about uh, it, it's using the whole superhero angle to basically tell an exaggerated hyper uh, hyper hyperbolic because it's hyperbole, but um, hyperbolic uh, tale about broken families and. Especially impossible expectations on part of the parent, and it's funny because mm. after watching this um, show, I actually ended up having a conversation with uh, my aunt and my grandma, where we were talking about like, uh, and I was saying like something that I had gotten used to and gotten over. Like, my father is not the kind of man that will tell you he loves you. He's not going to outright tell you he's proud of you. But he does have ways of showing you through the way he acts, through the way he speaks. Um, and not as drastic as our little father figure here in Umbrella Academy. But hmm. it, it, it's funny because it made me think of that. It's like this is dealing with a, like the, the, the home. There is a female mother caregiver that is kind of the idealistic 1950s mother model. But he himself, it's like, it's like she exists because he cannot be that. Because in order for him to get what he, what he wants out of these children, for them to live up to the expectations he sees in them, he needs to remove that warmth from himself so that they will never try less than they are fully capable of. This, of course, backfires. All the kids, except for one of them, has resentment for him, and that develops into resentment for right. that one. Yeah, so, by the end of the show, yeah. So it ends up being this interesting set of dynamics, and I think I'd, this this is one of those shows, though, where at the, in a lot of ways, I feel like I can't I can't necessarily like anyone. There's only one character I like, and he barely features uh, Ben, number six. And that's the thing. It's because he's barely there. He's barely a character in this. Yes. And that's the biggest reason I think I actually like him. Now, granted, my feelings towards different characters like Klaus do change over time. And actually, I think that's what made it... That's sort of made it brilliant, too, is you don't... You... You initially... It doesn't really give you a character to to grab onto. There I feel is like no a lot of these solid protagonists. Right, a lot of these superhero type things, like in the X Men movies, um, it was they clearly set up Wolverine as your your your, your core your, hero, your core hero that you can sort of the um, audience to latch onto. This guy's the hero. We're gonna watch him do heroic things, and the rest of the people he surrounded were surrounded with all had their roles. 
But this, they don't do this. And you feel like, even though really the Marvel movies are about Captain America and Tony Stark in a lot of ways, and the whole of them, you feel like in the end, like Captain America kind of does have the hero kind yeah. of thing going. Yeah. Um, uh, and you also there's a one of the things I love, and this is one of my one of my favorite superhero tropes, is the whole idea that the powers, everyone's powers, have a downside. Mm. Um, that there's something, there's no, there's, there's no like Mary Sue's in the in the gang that just have, wow, that's a cool power that you can use. You're not like, and it's always amazing. It's like you're, it all a, comes you're a drug addict. You you see dead people and and can commune with the dead, and but that's driven but you. you to driven be you drunk. insane, and so all you have you it's, just have to be high all the time. Well, especially because you can you you kind of understand that a certain event led right. to that. Uh, um, right. But at the same time, you have yeah, just and then you have power the, has a draw. You have the guy with super strength, but he's basically been turned into a monster. And yeah. you have the the girl who can basically make anything that she wants to happen happen, and she's she not only over relies on it, but it's found out that basically she can take away someone's free will. Yeah, and so she's destroyed the relationships in her life with the people that she loves by by because because of this power and the huge temptation to use a power like that in everyday life. And so you you right you get this. There's, there's no... Power doesn't come for free, I guess. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, though, watching it, there was also feelings I had... If anything, it reminded me of Watchmen. This is a comic that largely exists because Watchmen exists. Unfortunately, opening it up to that comparison... For me, this feels far more... And it's funny because when you think about it, Watchmen is full of it. This feels far more soap opera in a lot of ways to me. It does feel like it's caught up very much in that personal drama, whereas Watchmen always felt like, even though you had the personal drama, it felt like it was also dealing enough with big ideas or characters that were focused on... Like, it was dealing with greater ideas than well, just the personal drama of, you know, like, maybe this person feels impotent without his superhero suit. Right. Like, it was dealing with more than that. It was also dealing with just... It was dealing with humanity in general. Yeah, and I think also where part of where it is, the difference is that the Watchmen was very much a, a deconstruction of superheroes in general. It's funny, I was just having a conversation with my brother about something because we were talking about how people don't necessarily use that word right. I think in that instance it might be. Watchmen it might be actually used. I do try and avoid the word though. The deconstructing, yeah. But, no, but that, is, that is what it is. You're taking, you take, um, you sort of, uh, whatever it is, to say the well, comedian there's subversion, or something. There's subversion, which is often con confused with it. But in, I think Watchmen, in some ways, is meant to is meant to be a teardown. Yes, you of are superheroes. It is you're, trying to take all these ideas, and it's intentionally giving you no, not like it's saying there's no, there is no one that would ever be a superhero that would be right in the head. 
Yeah. Is part well, of it. Like, it's sort of, it's sort of, in some ways, um, because I've just, we've been rewatching through the Marvel movies, but uh, just as a total side note, Marvel sort of subverts the deconstruction in Captain America um, by this whole. Have you seen watched the first Captain America recently at all? Not recently, but I watched well, it enough. I, I really liked it. it enough where, but that, I love that whole thing where it's basically like, so basically the super soldier serum that they're going to give him that it amplifies everything. So if you give it to somebody who's just like a strong guy who's whatever and make him into a hero, it's going to amplify all the negative characteristics as well. So that's why you give it to Steve Rogers, who's a wimp, who's a weakling physically, but who is virtuous inwardly. Even and though so, there's plenty of uh, super villains with that background as well. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so so this idea that, right. So you just kind of sort of subvert that, that you find the one guy, the one guy in the whole world who would actually it's a King be a Arthur good element. Right. It's kind of a King Arthur element. It's like the the, yeah. the person you least expect is the one worthy of pulling the sword from the stove. But yeah. Anyway, but anyway that, so that's, that's, that's not really relevant to uh, Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy. So should we should we talk a little bit more about spoilers? We're about halfway in. I think we should get more into spoilers. Um, I mean, uh, you you enjoyed it. I I mean, if you're gonna watch it, you're not watching it for a superhero show. It's not like the Marvel Netflix shows. You're not watching Daredevil or Jessica well, Jones or something. It's got. It's I mean, it, more it's, dr- it's more drama, and it's got the 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 whole assassins angle is different and weird and. It's more of it's, like I feel like it's something that you would like if you, if you just like weird movies and weird plots, and if the idea of, you know, um, a if if you're not immediately turned off by the thought of a kid who travels to the future where he lives for decades in a relationship with a mannequin. Um, finds himself sent back to the the past, and now he's like a sixty year old trapped in the bottle of a body of a ten year old, thirteen year old, thirteen year old, yeah. yeah, whatever it is, um, who's also still in love with a mannequin. Um, if you're not, if that doesn't immediately turn you off, if you're like, okay, that sounds just weird enough for me, watch Umbrella Academy. I think it does a good job job of leading you into the weird as well. Yeah. So it's not. It doesn't like open it's, with that. I mean, it opens yeah, it with a body horror. To that. I mean, it doesn't open. It does with open a, with like pregnancy body horror, and I'm gonna just nothing gory, fortunately. But for me, it's still like, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh. <laughs> so and this is where, like, I think I immediately texted uh, Steve, like. In the beginning, it's like, you jerk, you did not warn me about Because we had just talked about Fringe, and how I couldn't watch past, like, the first episode, because it opens up with the same thing. Pregnancy body horror. I can't do it. Like, it's like, ah! But whereas Fringe, you could expect more of that. Umbrella right. Academy, it's one and done. It's one and done. And then it's it just gets kooky. A, it's a little bit of a shocker at the opening. Um, yeah, it just gets, it's, it just gets kooky. But I, I really enjoyed it, again. Um, if you like weird... If you want, if you like different, if you like superhero stuff, but you're like, I just need. If you're tired of the Marvel DC, you're tired, yeah, you're tired stuff, of. You want a creative adult perspective on superheroes that's more down to earth and well, more quote unquote down to earth. Well, because it's more personal. It's, it's more personal. It's more about again. It's more about the relationships. Yeah. Less about what's know, the cost of these powers, and also like 
let's not make it as ridiculous. Like, you're still saving the world. It's still a save the world plot. But it's not because there's some evil Dr. Von Doom in Latveria. Yeah. Plotting to take advantage of the Fantastic and, Four's good nature. And it has a really good soundtrack. Uh, it does. It does. Until the, the one club scene where it's nothing but awful dubstep. Well, yeah, what else are they going to play in the club? I know. It's just... Daft Punk, at least. But anyways, anyway, so it comes with it comes with my my uh, letter of recommendation here. Uh, I mean, even Gellion comes out on Netflix this month. That will probably be worth your time more. <laughs> but that's because I'm Mister Anime Guy. Watch it in Japanese. Um, but that's nobody. We're not going to do an episode on Even Gellion. You're never going to watch that, especially. In I have actually. I I've watched the first five episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion. You haven't even seen. But I, I intended, I fully intended to watch it. I bought like a, it was out. Okay, given that human psychology is actually a core element of the show and all of the ways we sabotage, like, I'm curious what Dana would think about it if she could get past certain things. She would never watch it. She probably never would, but I'm curious because... Everybody in that show needs I've a been therapist, to talk to, and I've that's been, the point. I've been trying to talk to you about Persona, because it does a lot of this thing. Sorry. <laughs> Sidebar. These are very different elements. You are no, no, not no. going to talk. No, no, no. Persona and Evangelion are not the same thing. Well, no, no. Okay, but because, like, the the whole idea is that the, the shadows that are created in the Midnight Channel are created, are basically it, without ego. Uh, and so they're created... By the by, the sort of the untamed desires of men are are it, and so like one of the one of the the shadows is created by sort of more positive um, sort of desires from the id, and eventually he anyway. But it gets into all of this sort of the you know the way that, that a persona develops in the shadows, and everyone creates a shadow from their id of what they really believe, what they or what they are afraid of that they want and then they have to come face to face with that and accept that that's part. anyway what i'm saying is i was trying to talk to data about all of the psychological elements of this and the whole idea and she had that furrowed brow look looking at you like, just like whatever <laughs> um so i i don't think i don't think that the that angle is going to work I mean, at this point, though, if you're looking to avoid spoilers on Umbrella Academy, you have plenty of time to shut this off. So now we're going into spoilers. Even if you didn't care about spoilers, you probably shut it off when I started talking about Persona. I mean, okay, we're in spoiler territory. What I said about every character making decisions that I did, like, okay, or, or like at some point every character being, like, I feel like you've got to be a special brand of idiot when you just told your sister using your I heard a rumor powers on her or why she was locked away for a while and never was told about her powers and everything and then you're about to use them again I am not sorry that you get your throat slit I just you clearly weren't thinking straight and that was also that was a that was a pretty solid case of supermanning um which part the slitting her throat um, we're like, making her so that she, she survives. So making her so that she can't talk for the rest of the season it because be you have a you have a. I mean, I do like the idea that she can't talk anymore, which means she is completely robbed of her power. I like that notion. Yeah, 
I guess I'm just saying in terms of in terms of the the, the, the trope where right where you've got you have an overpowered superhero, you need to in order for the climax to be effective, you need to eliminate them somehow. And, and you don't want to kill them necessarily, but you need to somehow make it so, okay, this, this character cannot have any part in the climax. So usually in comics, the, the, the easiest example of that is Superman. We have to figure out some way to write Superman out of any Justice League battle, unless you're fighting Darkseid or something, so that everybody else, so Batman has something to do. What else is Batman going to do when Superman's there? Yeah. So you take... Well, speaking of anime, also Akira. There's Akira in this. Watchmen and Akira. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I've seen Akira. But Chronicle did that, too. Chronicle did the old Akira thing, too. Everyone likes to have their Tetsuo. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, no, I, I get what you mean, though, because you, yeah. you don't want to make sure at the very end she just says, I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor that you shut your face. We did <laughs> jump way ahead. One of the things that, well, firstly, again, atypical romance as well. I'm sorry, but... Because one of the closest things to a typical romance is, even though he looks like Monster Boy, um, Big Brother, what was his name? Game with like an L, didn't it? Number one? Oh, man. Because the first two are Space one and two. Boy. See, now it's yeah, Space two, Boy. I knew all the Lucas. Lucas? No, that wasn't Lucas. It's was totally Lucas. Uh, but number one, and who was number two? What's number two? What's her name? Just IMDB it. But number one and number two were always close, and basically. They have this, even though they're like not, they're like adopted, they're not actually blood relatives. They're kind of in love with each other. But at the same time, I can't help but look at it and be like, dude, that's your sister. Luther. Luther. There you go. I told you. Allison. Luther and Allison. Right. Actually, well, okay. The the closest thing you have to a typical relationship is uh, is Diego and the cop. Yes. I I was sort of like, when we were, were, first I watched it, I'm like, I'm like, okay, so he's like cheap wannabe Batman with knives. Um, <laughs> Cheap one. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. You got. I was like. I was like. Okay. So we got Hulk in space. Uh, movie star. <laughs> Want to be Batman with knives? So the moon is Planet Hulk. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway. So right. Him and the, and the detective. But that's sort of. That's that gets cut short. Obviously. Um, yeah, I figured we could talk about some of the things we touched on that we couldn't really go into. So right, then you have Luther and Allison. And that romances don't work for me because of the fact that they... I'm sorry, man, you're not blood-related, but that's your sister. That is your sister? No. Bad. Just bat you with the newspaper. Um, Uh, But that's what I mean, atypical relationship. Um, Atypical. The whole family dynamic is messed up. And then you have probably the next most normal would be... Ow, his name just slipped out of my tongue. You just had the IMDb out. The the druggie. Oh, really? Really? Klaus and... Klaus and... I mean, it's... Hey, so so Klaus... I was thinking you were talking about Ellen Page and... Uh, oh, yeah. And, okay, uh, but the Phantom yeah. of the Opera here. Uh, yeah. Because they seem like a typical meat cute. And right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, you get the it, to the point that it's suspicious already. Oh yeah, as soon as he, as soon as that happens, we're like, okay, okay, obviously there's something up with this guy. Obviously, he's going. He's a serial killer. He's, he's a stalker. Something. He's something. And what's a real shame is I wish I caught on earlier. 
because the 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 episode where yeah you start to find out there's something up with him is where it, like it felt like I, I like I figured it out when it was too obvious like where it's like right. I couldn't feel clever anymore because the very first song she's playing on the violin is from Phantom of the Opera right and so there's an episode where after they're dating and you know, for a little while you know he mentions that you know, well they mentioned that there's now a like the first chair is open so she can get the 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 lead violin part and I'm just sitting here like he got rid of her. It's Christine. It's Phantom of the Opera. He's getting rid of all the competition so she can be the star of the show. And by the end of that episode, yeah, they scroll up to the attic and the former first chair is dead in the attic. Like, So it's yeah. like, as soon as the episode, you figure it out, we're going to let you know. But then it's like, okay, so there's other elements that come yeah. on. And yeah. then he just becomes the bad guy from The Incredibles. Well... He's the bad guy from The Incredibles. Like, I, it's like, you guys treated me mean, so I'm going to pretend to be good and then actually be evil and bring about your doom. Only he didn't want to be a good guy himself at that point. So not completely. Yeah. But he's basically the bad guy from The Incredibles. See, and that's why, on uh, so, my part, where it's like, I don't think I enjoyed this as much because at every, every turn I'm like, oh yeah, it's just like that thing. Well, this is just like that thing. I see. Yeah, yeah, and there's so, definitely. It's not that it's de- like, like the, I wouldn't call it derivative, but if you are genre savvy enough, you're going to be reminded of everything that did it. Yeah, first. you know, I didn't really, I didn't really think too hard about the Incredibles with him. I didn't I, either. I kinda, it just popped in my head right now. Yeah, yeah. There's some of that, but right. So he was, he he was lacking in his own family. The sort of the difference with him is is that. It was never. It was never as sincere and genuine as. Um, I just realized that it does add to a grass is always greener element to the show, because the show does have a sort of grass is always greener thing hmm. going on. Because what did he want? He wanted to be a part of another family. He didn't see his, what the Umbrella Academy themselves lacked right. in their family. And he wanted another family because his family was so messed up that he ends up murdering his own father yes that he he wanted that family but that family was not a, really a good family was, either it was totally messed up too uh right so there, there's that that's an, another interesting interesting little little thing in there um uh but yeah so i mean i can see there's there are some similarities in the same way there's similarities to i mean i feel like that's more of one of those like everything you're going to be able to find. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. There's going to be different kinds of parallels. I, I really love this. One of my favorite, favorite um, tropes, I guess you would call it, is when everything that you do to try to stop it just makes it happen. Yes, because that's effectively... And that's, that's effectively the series. Is yes. Everything that we do to try to stop the end of the world just makes, makes the, the end, end of the, the world, world happen. happen. All they really managed to do... And, and what they All like, they managed to do was find out that it was their fault. Right. That's Because Five was there. Five wasn't there originally, and now Five was there to find out that it was their fault. Right. Um, the, the time traveler can do nothing. Which reminds me, actually, even though... I don't know how I feel about, like, random organization that's there to make sure time moves, quote-unquote, as it's supposed to. 
which includes the apocalypse. Oh, I, I love me some stupid time-traveling evil organization. And I'm just saying, and that's the thing, after me and you talk about Avengers Endgame and all that time-travel crap, I'm just sitting here like, good God, he's got me with another one of these. Like, <laughs> Okay, so but I think we can agree, time-travel in Umbrella Academy doesn't really make sense. You it doesn't, even, but, but I will say, Five in that facility was actually always fun. Yeah. Especially his breakout. I really enjoyed it. Like, it's a fun. I watched it. I was like, that was a good scene. My dad, of course, because he watched some of it with me. Like, he, he at some point got up, started to, like, make himself a sandwich or something. And he's like, rewind it. I'm like, what do you mean? You were falling asleep. He's like, yeah, but now something's happening. So, <laughs> I, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for teleporting. Uh, teleportation power. Teleportation power. Well, yeah. in combat, if you do it right, you can, it can be well, yeah. And they did a good job with his, and they did... Um, I like how they... They always added some tension to it, because he doesn't always work. Yeah, and when you also you figure out that he's sending the messages to um, the two assassins. Oh, yeah, they did that the whole when time. When you see that, it's like, oh! Because like, <laughs> I like the assassins. I don't necessarily know if I like where they're... they're part in the story went because I'm pretty sure because the way the, se the season ends like he and his elderly lover are not dead his partner I'm pretty sure is dead right but they're going to I mean they, they're it ends with them jumping in time again so yes they're alive still they're still jumping in so, they so I'm wondering are they going to replay the entire season now with like them trying to stop themselves. Oh, if they do that, I am not watching the second yeah, You reason. can podcast yourself that season. I'm maybe not. not. Maybe not. That's, that's, that'd be a little bit much. I mean, I've seen people do stuff like that before, though. Like, that, there are shows that have done stuff like that. I mean, that. you could probably get away Harry with an Suzumiya, an anime, has done something like that. You could get away with maybe an episode or two of that. Um, well, you mean an anime did something where they could reuse old footage and cut corners? <laughs> no, 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 because they did use actually a lot of new footage because it was telling from different perspectives. It was basically playing the same day from different perspectives over and over and over. But, like, normally you might see that they use that in a TV show. Like, every right. commercial break they switch to a new perspective. But, like, honestly, I hate doing that. I hate that narrative device. Um, but... But going back to our show and what actually happened, um, I mean, ugh, we there is a lot we could talk about. I'm not sure how much we'll be able to squeeze in, so I'm trying to figure out how exactly do we want to go back because now at this point yeah. we are talking as if you've watched it, so and that's how we usually kind of roll, yes. But I do wonder, should we just because like Klaus is an interesting character, Klaus, in that that's okay. I hated Klaus and I really hated him right before he left through time because he is effectively the biggest reason Diego's love got killed. He like made or like he didn't help at the very least. He just cleared out of there. Didn't tell her there's another person cuz even if she knew there was another person doesn't mean she would have she would have known where he was she where they were coming from. She got shot in the back and he was already just running away from the scene and I'm like, "Oh, Klaus, you. Oh, you jerk." And then he goes back in time, and he doesn't completely clean up. But I... And it's, like... It kind of stinks, too, because... Well, they get, like... Because mm, I'm sitting here, like, oh, he's going to go back and become a soldier. That's going to clean him up. No. 
No, you don't go and fight Vietnam and right. not come back a drug addict. So it's like, it's like okay, never mind. But no, he and again, then you have like the whole VFW scene where it's like, oh, these veterans are gonna be angry and want him out of there. And it's like, dude, all he has to say is it was his dad. Yeah, that's always gotta say or something. But like I mean, obviously, he's a couple brain cells short of a coherent thought yeah but it's like time. it's like these moments that are intentionally written where the characters are like and now we're gonna do this for stupid drama's sake and it's yeah. that that's where like for me like it's always gonna knock me down enjoyment of the show uh it, things like the idiot ball and other things like I, I i hate that um and this show is does have moments with that where it's like okay roll eyes people are just being jerks so they can have conflict and the script can go a certain way um yeah but basically, yeah, there's a, there's a, right, there's a little bit of that whole like, okay, like if he had just listened to her in there and, and then not done that thing, then none of this would have happened and it would all be yeah. better. But that's the point is they're all stupid, messed up people with a messed up father and a robot mom. But even then, they make some really dumb decisions. Robot mom. Robo mom. We yes. should talk about robot mom. Should we talk about robot mom? I thought so. I, feel like I thought there's not enough to talk about with her. There's so something they, to talk about that stupid monkey. Okay, I don't want to say stupid monkey. I'm actually sad. That, that was dead. their entire... I'm very sad the monkey's dead, but the monkey shows up, he starts talking, and they just... just like, that. that's the litmus test. That's the <laughs> litmus test of the show. Where we're talking about weird... Like, we didn't even bring that up. We're talking about weird. It's like, before you even get to kid in love with a mannequin, they're going to be like, we're just going to have a talking monkey. <laughs> we're not going to explain it. If you can't deal with it, if you can't deal with Ellen Page hugging a talking monkey, then... <laughs> Back out right now. You find another Netflix original. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, okay. Because I'm just watching them. Like, so what? Is he experiment or something? Like five <laughs> episodes later, I guess he's just an experiment or something. Okay, he's just a monkey, man. He's just a monkey. He's just got a monkey. I know you always uh, wanted a monkey. Chimpanzee. I don't know. A chimpanzee. Something. I think more of a chimpanzee than a monkey. Um, I don't know the specifics. Well, so I think that that was. You kind of touched on this before, where. And the most interesting thing about the robot mom is that this guy who has like basically been totally cold and detached from his children, he created her to love them. Well, yes and, and no, because some... it turns out he created her specifically because originally they had names. Because of Anya. And Anya. Vanya. Vanya. He created her so Vanya could have a nanny that they could not kill. Or that Vanya could not kill. That's basically what it was. They never really made it... Well, you don't know if she killed the other nannies, but it's like... Considering she broke nanny mommy's neck... Yeah, it's... It's... She killed... She killed some nannies. Some people, yeah. And, and it sort of played for laughs, but at the same time you're like... Maybe this is that kid from the Twilight Zone that turns his uncle powers. into a jack-in-the-box. Yeah. Like, that that's effectively what Vanya was, but... Um, and it's... And, and so, but I, I do think there was something, something to that, conceptually, that he... He developed some, some way to show them the affection that he could not himself show them. 
Yes, and I think that is also, and honestly, that he made her a very 1950s mom, meanwhile he's showing no affection, does go into a lot of that old-fashioned idea of parentage. Hmm. Um, I do think there is a lot of, there are a lot of fathers that had that, that they grow up believing that themselves, um, that you don't show affection to your children, you don't show softness to them, so... It, it does give you that sort of element. Granted, then it's like, well, Diego's relationship with this robot caregiver is not exactly right itself. No, um, it's definitely not. But it's, I mean, again, it all falls into that whole idea of the whole, I just keep thinking of the last Jedi, like, clip of Carrie Fisher. It's about family, you know, <laughs> which the last Jedi is not about family. I don't, I don't know what they're saying, but. Oh, okay. That's though? not no, no, no. Is it no. though? Let's talk about the Last Jedi for a minute. No, the Umbrella Academy is about family. It's about family. It, it is. It is about family. Um, um, and how our family, if we are not nice to them, will destroy the entire world. Evidently. Um, so that's an interesting. Here, why don't we why don't we like wrap up with with like talk a little about Vanya? Um, at what point did you figure out that Vanya had powers? Um, well, I kind of was. I was like, is she, is she, is she, those those meds gonna make her have powers fairly early on, or like there were those meds were suppressing her power or something like that. I think it had something to do with the meds. I'd have to dig through my text to you again and see if I mentioned it at any point. I think I was too focused but on I was, uh, other stuff. Um, well, I guess what you know what it was. I think r- right away I was like, no, she has powers. Somehow they're going to be important. Is, is something that I thought early on. Um, whether or not the meds, once once the meds got dumped out, that's when it got a little, a little, a little different. Um, when do I send you all those messages? Where, where were they? It's, it's all right. You don't have to, you don't have to prove that you knew. Uh, I must have done, okay, you know what? It's going to be on Google Hangouts and that's long gone. Because uh, the last thing I got on here was the vi- this violin student is really a bad guy, isn't he? And he's maybe more complicated than he seems on the surface. And then the next thing was podcast tonight today. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been on Google Hangouts, man. But that's the thing. We have exactly. so much Google Hangouts conversation. It's but, impossible like, to scroll through all that. Yeah. I, I might have figured it out around that time because that was also when he stopped t- uh, when he started tossing away the meds. Right. And yeah. that's going to be the big clue. It's like, okay, so why she got these? And she even says, like, I've been taking them since I was a kid. It's like, ah, ah, ah. Mm. So, I mean, clearly there's something going on. Yeah. It certainly didn't turn out like I would. I initially anticipated. No, I didn't I think... expect her to be Tetsuo either, but. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, it was just, the more I think about it, I, I'm st- I mean, I guess once they locked her up again, that was sort of the, that was the what would you call it? What would you call it? idiot ball? That was the well. It's still handled better than idiot ball. It's like there's there's got to be a special word for it, like manic, emotional, illogical ball. Like you can kind of understand. Okay, I can sit here and fan explain. Why? Why Luther like fans around? Why it makes it like? Well, Luther's just an idiot. Like him doing the same thing his dad did, and him not realizing he's repeating his father's own mistakes. That's fitting. 
Right, especially because he was the one who... who The one that would turn out most like Dad, even after right. finding out his dad was a jerk, makes sense. It makes sense that he would do that. And Vanya could clearly see nobody else was happy with it. She could clearly see only one person was responsible for this choice. That she blames everyone else for it, though, and listens to some weird secret voice inside of her, like, oh, they always were afraid of you, and it's like, oh, come on. Like, this is, this is, oh, come on, this is too typical. I've seen well, this. Then, and then, and this then, is then, as predictable as you get. Right, yeah, that, that, from that on, right, the whole, that kind of became, then it was, everything was just inevitable at that point. But I do, at that point, you also get a little bit of that, um, that Watchmen-ness, where giving somebody power, all that's going to do is amplify the, not amplify, but like that you're giving them license to act on the, what do you, what would you call it, the, the, Whatever's inside of them. Um, so all this anger and resentment about being locked up and being put away, and she doesn't care that she's going to what she's going to destroy. She's just she's done. She's going she's to be special. Power. She has power. She's and going that's to be the special. thing. She wants to go to this concert. She gets to be special for a change. Right. And that I can at least get. Like I understand what they're trying to do with some of it. It's just I wish the logic was worked better. That it's like basically she was just like just straight up fed up like you're not locking me away anymore and just blah but it, but not like the, oh they've always been afraid of you just just make her straight up like sick of it at this point like yeah. I am finally special screw you guys I'm going to my they, they sort of go in a little dark phoenix with it sort to, of where it's like well again it's like they they suddenly have this inner and inner Vanya talking evil and it's like. Is this just her inner fear? Is this something we're going to deal with in the next season? Like, what is this? Is there is there literally an evil Vanya inside of her? That's where it's like, I guess we got to wait till the next season. But it, it's it's interesting. Um, there was there was actually uh, there was another moment though that I feel like oh, I forget what I noticed, I, and I forget what I think I noticed it roughly the episode where. Everyone's starting to separate, but in a good way. Like, they kind of... They come together, but then they separate. Like, Diego finally helps Klaus get... Like, kick his uh, addiction. Oh, and then um, there's the dance then scene with... Uh, the dance scene between the two. And, and then Luther... Luther and then the whole day gets erased. They're going to fly. Yeah. It's like... And you wonder if that day continued as it was, would everything have actually been fine? Granted, boyfriend was still with what's her face, and that of course, uh, like as soon I think I might have sent you a message there, where um, rednecks beating up the dude is like as, as stupid as characters are in this. This show is not that cliche that they just have random rednecks beating up a guy unless he paid them to do it, and yeah. that's what it turns out. Which again, they they like like you're able to be a step ahead of the show in a lot of ways, but. Um, I mean, that's the thing. I guess the best way I can put it for myself is it's not bad, and it is entertaining, but I'm not, like, hyped up for season two. I'm not hyped up for more. I'll probably, like, this is going to be a show that every once in a while I'll be like, oh, yeah, I watched that. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I've I've recommended it to a few people um, who I think would be kind of into the different aspects of it. It's still Um, no season one of Daredevil or Jessica Jones, which we are getting that third season soon-ish. Yeah, but it's also... It's something completely different if you weren't really into Jessica Jones or Daredevil. It kind of is, yeah. Um, and it's technically not as adult rated, even though it's still very mature. Don't it doesn't watch have it with the kids. like yeah, don't watch it with the kids. But also like it's not going to have something like um, I think what was the moment that Dana decided that we weren't going to watch Daredevil together? Oh, like when there's some kind oh. of fight in the back alley and the guy gets the the like. The spike, spike through, through his, his face. Through his face, yeah. Was that before or after the dude gets his face crushed, his whole head crushed in the car door? Oh, uh, that was after. Yeah, Kingpin, like, like uh, yeah, the butt goes locked. I, I always on. found it funny. Daredevil headed up by a man full of gore. Jessica Jones headed up by a woman and filled with the sex. It's like, this is kind of funny. <laughs> well, um, Jessica Jones, that, that, the... Right in the beginning, dude right yanks a bra down and puts his mouth right on the. Oh, I was thinking, I'm, but I'm, I'm a, the <laughs> like not even a minute in. I guess I, I there's some, some reason that doesn't stick out. What sticks out to me with Jessica Jones <laughs> is the, the 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 girl that the the uh, Kilgrave is controlling, shooting her parents in the elevator. Oh yeah, that's messed up. That too. was like, that's what like you get like the weeping parents and then Jessica Jones. It seems like. Has you know saved their daughter from this terrible thing, and then, and then it's just bump, nope, done, gone. And that was just like, I'm gonna be sick. So there's none of none of that, and there's no heads through spikes or spikes through heads or uh, there might there. I feel like there's at least a bloody like there's the the fight in the diner. I feel like there was something that was like, oh, that's bloody, but there's really oh, okay. The, the worst thing is. Is as how Vanya deals with um, her suitor. Oh, he just gets stabbed a bunch. Yeah, I mean that was still pretty. I mean, was, there's not right. There's not a lot of gore. Actually, probably the 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 sixth sense stuff is maybe the most disturbing stuff. I don't remember some of the uh, gore. Like, that yeah, that like, might be. It might be right where he's he's got a um, Klaus has like the whole uh, everyone. That they've killed is this? Is he's yeah. talking them all together? There's all these great wounds on everyone and stuff like that. But but again, by the way, I do hope in this second season, like if there's anything, I hope that we get more of Ben, because like you don't get much of Ben, but it's like the smartest one is dead. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's like the smartest one. Oh, is I don't know, kind of like what. Ha- like I hope we get a little bit more backstory on the team when they were kids. How did Ben die? And- it's the way they make it sound is that it is basically he he was done in by his own power. That or he suicided. I don't know. It, it yeah. came off to me like he was done in by his own power. That I was very, for the most part, vague about how it was supposed to work until the end when you finally get to see it work and they blow their special effects budget. I thought they blew their special effects budget on the chimpanzee. Uh, that's true. Well, the chimpanzee was dead by that point. Uh, that's true, yes. Yeah. So they had they had freed up <laughs> for the last couple episodes for CGI tentacles. Um, but speaking of anime, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it was it wasn't a bad show. Um, uh, it's 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 not even as good as the first season of Stranger Things. 
I'm still not sure how I feel. Actually, that's the funny thing. I think the second season of Stranger Things is also forgettable, with the exception of what's his face with the nail bat. Um, so that's that's my evaluation of Stranger Things season two. Nail bat. Quaffed hair with a nail bat. Uh, Steve? Is his name Steve? Yes. That's right. I should remember it because hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. Um, <laughs> next next week I'll have a nail bat. Yeah, <laughs> and he'll bludgeon me to death with it. Yeah, I mean, it's you're... like so. Here we are talking about E3. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got some brain. On I'm, the gonna, mic. I'm gonna wait for him to say something about Nintendo uh, or something, uh, and then it's going to just be like. But your your kids, man, you like Nintendo. You got a Switch now. I do have a Switch now. But all right, and so next week we're gonna talk about E3. Um, look yeah, forward to that. Now, if you end up dead, they're gonna listen to this recording and be like. Steve did it. Let's hope I don't end up dead. Well, let's hope you don't end up dead. Don't put that out there. <laughs> and I dropped the mic. Chris literally just dropped the mic. Okay, I literally so, dropped the mic. So, well, all right. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody.